Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We've been reading in the book of Numbers, and we are back at it. Last time we read number 17. Number 17 was about Aaron's rod, and it budded, showing that he was the one that God preferred, that God had chosen. So now we're ready to read Numbers 18. Numbers chapter 18, I am reading from the Amplified Bible. So the Lord said to Aaron, You and your sons and your father's household, family, with you shall bear the guilt in connection with the sanctuary. That is, through your service as priests, you will atone for the offenses which the people unknowingly commit when brought into contact with the manifestations of God's presence. And you and your sons with you shall bear the guilt in connection with your priesthood, that is, your own unintentional offenses. Now, the reason this is being stated the way it is, is they are the buffer. The Levites and the priests are the buffer. If you remember at the end of chapter 17, the sons of Israel said to Moses, Look, we perish, we're doomed, all doomed. Everyone who approaches, who approaches the tabernacle of the Lord must die. Are we to perish completely? And God is giving them again the Levites and the priests as a buffer. Now I say again, I thought this had already been established previously. Perhaps I'm wrong. I have read ahead and I have read this before, so I may remember slightly incorrectly. But nonetheless, God is establishing this buffer zone. The Levites and the priests are the buffer around the tabernacle and the things of the tabernacle and the services. And so they will bear the guilt in connection with the sanctuary for the offenses which the people unknowingly commit. So they are to work to prevent those things, but if they do happen, they are to bear the guilt, and they will also bear their own guilt, the guilt of their priesthood. They mention that for their own unintentional offenses, okay? But they're that buffer zone to protect the people from the consequences of unintentional contact or sin with holy things that they shouldn't have had. But bring with you also your brothers, the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, ancestor, so that they may join with you and serve you as assistants while you and your sons with you are before the tent of the testimony, the holy place where only priests may go, and the most holy place which only the high priest may enter. And the Levites shall attend to your duty as assistants and to the duties of all the tent tabernacle. Only they shall not approach the articles of the sanctuary and the altar, or both they and you will die. So here the Lord is really putting it on the, the Levites and the priests. They're responsible. They need to pay attention to what they're doing and they need to do things correctly. And they should not approach, you know, the Levites are not the priests. They're not the high priests. They are not allowed to approach into the actual sanctuary, okay? They shall join you and attend to the duties of the tent of meeting, all the service of the tent. And no stranger, no layman, anyone who is not a Levite, may approach you and your sons. 
So you shall attend to the duties of the sanctuary and the duties of the altar of burnt offering and the altar of incense, so that there will no longer be wrath on the Israelites, as with Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. See here again, he's he's creating this buffer. He's setting it up so that they will not have that kind of happening again. It's already been decided. He's already proved that um, Aaron is the right person and his family. They are to be the high priests and then the Levites are to be. This is all a buffer to protect the rest of the children of Israel. It's not going to protect them from their own rebellion, but it is to protect them from incidental or accidental unintentional sins. Behold, I myself have taken your fellow Levites from among the sons of Israel. They are a gift to you, given, dedicated to the Lord, to do the service for the tent of meeting, tabernacle. Therefore you and your sons with you shall attend to your priesthood for everything concerning the altar of burnt offering and the altar of incense and of the holy of holies within the veil. And you are to serve. I am giving you the priesthood as a bestowed service, but the stranger, outsider, layman who approaches shall be put to death. So they still have the rules, but the Levites and the priests, they're that buffer zone. They should be able to prevent anyone from approaching that shouldn't be there. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron. Now behold, I, the Lord, have entrusted you with my heave offerings, even all the holy gifts of the Israelites. I have given them to you as a portion, and to your sons as a continual allotment. This shall be yours of the most holy things, reserved from the fire, every offering of the people, every grain offering and sin offering and guilt offering, which they shall render, give to me shall be most holy for you and for your sons. You shall eat it as the most holy thing. Every male of your family shall eat it. It shall be holy to you. This also is yours, the heave offering of their gift, including all the wave offerings of the Israelites. I have given them to you and to your sons and to your daughters with you as a continual allotment. Everyone in your household who is ceremonially clean may eat it. All the best of the fresh olive oil and all the best of the new wine and of the grain, the first fruits of those which they give to the Lord, I give them to you. The first ripe fruits of all that is in the land which they bring to the Lord shall be yours. Everyone in your household who is ceremonially clean may eat it. Every devoted thing in Israel, everything that has been promised to the Lord with an oath, shall be yours. Every firstborn of the womb of all flesh, whether it is man or animal, which they bring to the Lord, shall be yours. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man you shall most certainly redeem. And the firstborn of unclean animals you shall redeem. Now by redeeming, that means they will pay, they will give a portion of money, whatever the price is, we're going to talk about the value in a second, to redeem them. That way, even though you have your first uh, child, your first son, your first daughter, you 
Does it specify every firstborn of the womb of all flesh, whether it is man or animal? So it doesn't matter. Whatever your firstborn would be, you would redeem that with money so that so that you would keep your child. Now, we know there's going to be some exceptions in the future. We'll get to that. And when we get to that, I mean, Samuel's going to be an exception where he is not redeemed. And his mother actually pledges him to a Nazarite vow to serve God his whole life. And he does. Samuel is a, one of those great prophets that we know about. Anyway, um, well, he was actually judge and prophet. And anyway, uh, getting off topic with that. But nonetheless, um, he was not redeemed purposefully. Because if you don't redeem them, they would go into service. In the temple, they would be dedicated to the Lord. They would be given to the service of God. So that's the way that would work. Now, the unclean animals, God wouldn't accept, so you had to redeem them. That makes sense as well, because he doesn't want anything to do with those. And their redemption price, from a month old, you shall redeem according to your valuation for the fixed price of five shekels in silver, in accordance with the shekel of the sanctuary, which is twenty geras. But the firstborn of a cow, or of a sheep, or of a goat, you shall not redeem. They are holy, and belong to the Lord. You shall sprinkle their blood on the altar, and shall offer up their fat in smoke as an offering by fire, for a sweet and soothing aroma to the Lord. Their meat shall be yours like the breast of a wave offering and like the right thigh, all the offerings of the holy things which the Israelites offer to the Lord, I have given to you and to your sons and your daughters with you as a continual allotment. It is an everlasting covenant of salt that cannot be dissolved or violated before the Lord to you and to your descendants with you. Covenant of salt is very important, and we've mentioned this before. I think we've talked about this before. Salt is symbolic of preservation and permanence, and you know we think of it as flavor. It's it's um, you know it's a it's a holy and spiritual thing. It is a spiritual covenant that lasts, and it is meant to preserve. So it is an everlasting covenant of salt that cannot be dissolved or violated before the Lord to you and to your descendants with you. Then the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in the land of the Israelites, nor have any portion of land among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the children of Israel. Behold, I have given the Levites all the tithe in Israel as an inheritance in return for their service which they perform. The service of the tent of meeting, tabernacle, the Israelites shall never again approach the tent of meeting, the covered sanctuary, the holy place, and the holy of holies. For they who do will incur sin and die. He's specifically making it clear that only the Levites and the priests are supposed to be there and that no one else needs to approach in any other way. All they will do is bring their sacrifices to the Levites or to the priests and it will be, you know, everything will be taken care of without them needing to risk any 
incidental contact or accidental death. Only the Levites shall perform the service of the tent of meeting tabernacle, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, that the Levites shall have no inheritance of land among the children of Israel, but the tithe of the Israelites, which they present as an offering to the Lord, I have given to the Levites as an inheritance. Therefore I have said to them, they shall have no inheritance among the children of Israel. Now this idea of giving a tithe and it going to the priests, we can kind of see that reflected a little bit in that we give an offering in our congregation, and most congregations do this, they give an offering, and then out of that offering, you know, your your priest or your preacher, whoever is paid as well as other things to upkeep the building and things like that. But nonetheless, we see a little bit of this. It's we're uh, we don't have the exact same formulas and do things exactly like they did because this law doesn't strictly in the letter of the law sense apply to us. So then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Moreover, you shall speak to the Levites and say to them, When you take from the Israelites the tithe which I have given to you from them as your inheritance, then you shall present an offering from it to the Lord, a tithe of the tithe paid by the people. Now, I want to make sure we're clear. Let's say the people give the priests, and I'm going to use money because money's easiest. It's just easier to do the math. They give them a dollar. And that, that's their tithe. So they made, let's say I made $10 and I gave the Lord a dollar. Yeah, now I'm saying it correctly. If I made $10 and out of my tithe, my 10, my 10%, I gave the Lord a dollar, the priest would turn around and they would give a dime. That, because they would get that dollar and then they would give a tithe of that to the Lord. And it says here, let's, let's continue reading for a minute. Your offering shall be credited to you as the grain from the threshing floor or as the full produce from the wine vat. Likewise, you shall also present an offering to the Lord from all your tithes, which you receive from the Israelites, and from it you shall give the Lord's offering to Aaron the priest. So, in other words, the head priest, right? Out of all your gifts, you shall present every offering due to the Lord from all the best of it, even the sacred part from them. Therefore you shall say to them, When you have offered the best from it, then the rest shall be credited to the Levites as the product of the threshing floor and as the product of the wine vat. In other words, the final best product. Because that's the product. The threshing floor is where they they weed out all the bad stuff. And then the the product of the wine vat is going to be the final best wine, right? You may eat it anywhere, you and the members of your households, for it is your compensation in return for your service in the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. You will bear no sin because of it when you have offered the best of it, but you shall not profane the sacred gifts of the children of Israel, or you will die because of it. So one interesting thing I want to make note of, besides the fact of the tithe and giving a tithe of the tithe, and that's where some people will say that really 
your congregation, your, your local church, your congregation, it should also have a tithe or a, a percentage of the offering. It can be a small percentage. It does not have to be technically a 10% thing, but it could be a small amount of the offering that it gives to the Lord in some other manner, that it maybe it gives it to uh, a work in another country, a ministry there. Maybe it gives it to help local local people, local uh, the local needy, or something like that. I know now. I know some congregations will frown on that type of thing, but this idea of giving a tithe from the tithe—that's kind of where that comes from. And I don't, I don't believe there's really anything wrong with a church setting aside a small amount to help others in some manner. Um, because the congregation, the church there, and, and, and I'm saying the church, but I just mean it as the, the congregation, the local congregation, should, from that offering, should do something more than just help themselves. Now, I'm not trying to be mean when I say that. But we have to look at this from the standpoint of what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to help others, right? And and while spiritually helping others is the most important thing, we can't forget what James says. If all we do is say, well, good luck to you, go and be warm and be filled, well, we're not really following what Jesus taught. We're not really doing what he told us to do If that's if all we do is do the spiritual side of it and don't do anything for the body. So... It's very important that we understand that. It's sometimes it's hard to understand that, and I, I get it. And the spiritual is the most important thing because we want people to uh, live their best life here and to have that eternal life in the future. It's also a good thing to note, and I'll bring this up. I've probably brought this up before. We are the priests now. We are the priests. Peter says we are the priests. You know, we are. The priests now of God, we are the ones who we are meeting in the sanctuary. We are offering the sacrifices of praise and the sacrifices of of love and grace and mercy to other people in our community and around us and each other. Don't forget to each other as well. It's all it's all encompassing. What we do now is in a way less complicated in that we don't follow the letter of these laws. But it's more demanding in that we can't just go through and check some boxes and say, well, I've done these things, I'm good. No, it's it has to be in our hearts. It has to be our covenant is more about our heart and our love for our fellow man and our love for God first. But that too will spread out to our fellow man because we're all God's children. So that's how that works. But anyway, this has been Numbers 18. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. May the Lord bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.